Valentine's Day. Welcome back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? I am your Cupid, Matthew Schufreiter, and I am joined by my lover. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. Hi, everyone. I'm Griffin McCorkle. I do other things around the podcast. I, Matt and I, we are not lovers. Um, there might be some sexual tension, apparently, but that we're, we're I we're just really good together on the podcast oh god now you've started the now you've started it there's going to be a million rumors now yeah probably hit me up tmz anyway no <laughs> anyway griffin we have a fantastic guest on our show today yes yes we do i'm i'm actually very excited about this one yeah. Why don't you why don't you tell them all who our guest is, Matt? Barbara Robertson. Yay. Finally. Uh, yeah, we should explain. There's actually a story that goes along with um her coming on the show, right, Griffin? We we have been trying to get Barbara on this show since since the inception of the show, basically. Yeah. Um the reason we didn't all the way back then is well, it's two things. One, Barbara is one of the busiest people on the planet. Yeah. She is always, always working. She's always in something uh, until this pandemic. Um, and even then, I'm sure she's probably still really busy. And and the other reason is because Matt was still a student at Columbia and was about to be taking her class as a student right. and had never met her before. So he, I guess you figured like better to wait until you know her better and you're no longer her student pretty much and for her to be like all right well matt's not a terrible student or an actor i pretty much was no she wouldn't think that she's she's way too nice for that she is very nice barbara robertson is an american actress and singer she used to perform pretty much everywhere griffin oh she's uh, yeah like i i would be surprised if there's a big theater company in Chicago she hasn't performed with. Chicago Shakes, Steppenwolf, Goodman, uh, Paramount Theater, which was like the last show she was in um, right before the pandemic happened. Um, she's, like we said, she's a teacher. And we talk about her growing up, uh, you know, how she trained overseas outside of America um, and her class that she teaches the class title professional survival yeah i think i i think i said this in the outro to the last episode but that that was actually the very last acting class i ever took at columbia really and you know what yeah and you know what it, it was a pretty damn good way to, to to go out well the highlight of that class was when the, the last day she had i didn't say this in the interview she goes to us i have a big announcement for everyone and we're all like, okay, like what's gonna happen? It's like two minutes left before we have to we have to leave. And she goes, Oh wait, I forgot to tell you. And we're all like, What's up, Barbara? She goes, I booked a commercial for lunchables. And we're all like, Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. That, I think she was playing like a librarian or something. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I should have asked her about it. Uh, during our interview but that doesn't matter uh here it is our interview with the one the only barbara robertson hi barbara hi matthew how are you today i'm great how about you i'm good i'm good i'm very good thanks so you have had uh, like a crazy time during this pandemic you're not even in illinois at all you're in washington state my my son and, and daughter-in-law had a baby and they both have jobs and they had to work. And uh, my husband, um, all my work was gone. Columbia went online, my classes. So we came out to Washington State and we're, uh, we're number one childcare. <laughs> it's really, really fun for me. <laughs> How has um, this whole pandemic been for you? I, I, I can imagine it must be very hard for especially in art school, for example, to transition to online? Some things were really tough and some things I think uh, were good. Um, but I tend to be, I tend to thrive on optimism. <laughs> so 
So I, I, that's kind of my MO. Um, so, but I was supposed to teach a scene study class. And my first reaction was, I can't teach scene study online because you can't teach the give and take. And so I rethought things and I thought, wow, what a fabulous opportunity to really teach an actor their homework to really, because I usually give the actors homework, but I don't walk them through all the homework. And when you think about it, if I, if I do all my homework really well, when I walk into rehearsal, I am such a, a better player. I am more present. I'm not thinking, oh, what's that line? And why would my character do that? Or why would my character say that? I have strong uh, understandings and connections to my character and strong understanding and uh, feelings about the theme of the play. Even if it might be different from the director, I'm a player. I'm not passive and just following the director. So I had a great time, great time in my scene study class working out some of the logistics, the technical stuff, uh, took me a few weeks to get into really figuring out how to do things. And, and we, we made some changes and, you know, you have to be flexible. Some of my students got COVID and they missed, um, they missed their filming sessions. So I had to improvise a way to to give them that filming experience. But I, I think it, I think it was really cool. And the class you and I took together, Professional Survival, I think it translated really cool because I, uh, really well, because I think uh, having, having some of my guest speakers, you know, from different places in the country and, and um, just, we, we were working on self-tapes anyway, and self-tapes were very much a part of the culture of auditioning before the pandemic. And I don't know if live auditions, I, I really don't think live auditions will ever go back to what they, what they used to be. And if you think about it, the great big movies, you know, or the episodics, I, I was listening to a little thing on, um, there was an episodic called The Outlander, which was really, really popular and had all sorts of different, I had read the books and um, those actors, were cast from tapes. Mm. The director, the producer, when they were in some kind of meeting, I was just Googling for information and they were saying, oh yeah, when I saw their tape, I knew that was the right actor. They never met each other. The actors never met each other and the actors never met the director or the producer or even the writer, even um, the, the novelist from whom the, they, they drew the miniseries or series. So, it's live auditions are just not going to happen the way that they used to. That's crazy. Yeah, just just for me, I took a as well. I took a scene study class last summer, and I had this hard time adjusting to self tapes because I, as an actor, I like to just live in the moment with my given circumstances and to just do it in my bedroom. I thought, well, this is rather difficult because like the energy is gone. I have to make that own energy up. It's so, for me, it's still difficult to do an, an audition in my bedroom, you know? And it's even, uh, but it's closer to what you have to do in a film mm -hmm. because in a film, you may have your most meaningful scene without the other actor present. Sometimes the other actor has to be on location someplace else or some, they, they just shoot your stuff with the script person reading your lines and they read your lines about like this. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I find that very interesting and, and the joy of live theater will never, never be duplicated. What we have to do is somehow make it feel somehow figure out our own joy of live theater for a self-tape for theater. Um, and, and it is possible. I've seen tapes that work really, really well. And I go, I could see that person on stage. I could, you know, that 
that person, I would cast them, and I think their live performance would be fabulous. That's great. I, I, so I, well, I've been in this apartment now for about a week, and yesterday I was feeling a little melancholy, and I went in my car, and you know, sometimes I'm feeling a little, a little down, or a little, like I said, melancholy. I like to just go on these drives, just some time to myself, play this, play some music, and God, for just for some reason, I just felt the need to just drive around some of my favorite theaters. So I drove past the Goodman. I drove past Steppenwolf. I even passed Columbia. I, I mean, I was like 20 minutes away. I'm like, all right, forget it. Why not? How much do you miss theater? And what do you think the world of theater is going to be like when all this is over? The world of theater will return. Theater, live performance will never. I, when I was a kid, I remember TV and films and saying, oh, theater's Theater's just not gonna die. Theater's gonna die. It's not gonna be what it is. And um, it does change mm -hmm. and people's likes and dislikes change. Big, huge, uh, I think opera is, was before the pandemic, opera was really, really feeling it. Um, that's probably the, the largest scale theater that we have. However, big musicals, Hamilton and <laughs> Wicked and you know these great big musicals people go to again and again for the live experience and stand up you know is it's just always live and then um the give and take of theater is something that that people need they want you go even way back to tribal times you know people gathered to tell stories um and that involves sometimes song and dance and storytelling and recreations or just new stories and um people thrive on that you can't take art away from people because that is the um that's the taproot to our creativity and, and creativity is necessary in science and obviously in education. It's necessary in business and high tech business. And sometimes people forget that, that we move forward with an idea and the idea is uh, sparked by a, a creative, creative force. Right. And you even said an energy, like the last show I ever saw was at Steppenwolf and I saw Dance Nation. And I can't remember, and I remember just being at their little front bar, their little, the little restaurant they have. And I just remember, God, there's a feeling of just artists, even if we're just seeing a show, we just like to be in a room, you know, and it's been so, you know, it is hard. It, you can read a play on Zoom. You can talk to artists on Zoom like I'm doing now. And that's fun. And But, you know, it's not the same. So I guess that is what I was really missing. And what I'm still missing up until this point. Because uh, in a live performance, the audience is an active participant. Right. Uh, the performance the performance is different with different audiences. I did this great show that Aaron Posner wrote. We did it at the Looking Glass Theater called Life Sucks. And uh, there was a lot of give and take with the audience. Mm -hmm. And unlike some shows that, where they talk to the audience up front, in this one, we asked the audience like philosophical questions. <laughs> like, what is life? <laughs> Does life suck? Does life not suck? What do you think? What makes you? What are you attracted to? And and the the give and take of the audience was it was different every night, obviously, but um, it the performance lived in this space between the stage and the audience in, in the in between the in the back and forth. And audiences love that more often uh, than crying. We laugh together as audience members. And when you laugh with, with people, there's an extraordinary um, connection. They say, you know, someone did a test and that audience members 
after a few minutes, their heartbeats start to beat at the same rate. Mm -hmm. It's it, it it's this cool thing about feeling part of a community. Huh. And um, granted, sometimes we don't want to feel a part of a community, but people thrive on on that social uh, interaction participation. Right. Now, I can't wait for it to come back. So, and like you said, I think we're going to come back even stronger um, than ever before. I think there's just a great, I think there's just a great taste and need for theater or just live art at this point. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I don't, I don't know if it'll come back stronger. I think it, I, I, I think that, um, well, I think we'll ease back into, we're going to have to find, you know, how much small theaters, how much large theaters, um, how people produce, um, how willing people are to sit in a big space or a small space or, right. you know, during the, during the dark ages, theater troops traveled on trucks and they travel. So people, flock to them. I, I, Ife Butler did this with, um, oh, I forgot the name of the piece. She did this somewhere, but, but it was about, and it was a great piece about uh, voting and um, women's rights. And, and she did it and it traveled from park to park and places. Uh, people are going to be thirsty and they're going to want this. It's just, I don't know how, if it's going to come back gangbusters or we're going to have to find our way to a new way. All right. All right. So I kind of want to take it back to young Barbara. Uh, so you grew up in Illinois with Glen Ellen, correct? Yes. Yeah. So what were you like as a child? Well, I was, well, I was a bit of an outsider, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but I was trying to be part of the inside, I guess. Or I, I, I was a, um, I was a swimmer when I was, I was like a state champion butterfly. I, I was a big swimmer. And then when we moved to Glen Ellen, they didn't have a winter team. I only got to swim. So I swam on two teams in the summer, but um, it was harder. So I um, started doing other things. I mean, I was a cheerleader and I was active. It was before Title IX, so there weren't sports that we could do. There was no swim team at my uh, high school. Um, but I, and I worked, I started working when I was about uh, 14. And when I turned 15, I started working at Dominic. So I, I balanced school and jobs a lot. Um, I was kind of a, a learning nerd. Mm -hmm. I really, really loved school and learning and research to, to this day. I think research is something I really enjoy doing. Um, and I had a lot of friends, but I wasn't a part of one group. It's always a little bit of an outsider there. And my one good friend who lived on the block with me, she did theater. She had done theater um, at her other high school and when she moved the only class that we could take together was a theater class <laughs> so she's like take the theater class and we have a class together so I took the theater class not knowing anything never seeing I, I played flute I was in band and I just love that storytelling right Did, you know when we had people on we you, they had role models such as like judy garland and wizard of oz or maybe just this one uh performer in the school up until that point point what were some of your biggest inspirations or are people you look to for um advice advice so uh, are you talking about like uh, as far as being an actor because I didn't really decide I wanted to be an actor till I was in college. Really? What, just because I, I didn't I the I I didn't take that theater class till almost my or I think it was my senior year, wow. and um, I did um, 
someone asked me to be in Oklahoma. That was the first play I ever did. They, um, they said, oh, you're a cheerleader. Would you like to be a dancer in Oklahoma? And I was like, yeah, because I, oh, I love to dance. I was like, turn off the lights in the living room, put on music and dance and dance and dance and dance. And, you know, we didn't have money for me to go to dance classes. So it was just my own way of listening to music and moving around. But I love that. And, um, uh, so I said, I'll be in Oklahoma, sure. So in my high school, everybody, most of the people that did the musical were in choir. So they all learned the music in choir. And um, so when we got into the theater, you know, high school, you get in the day before the audience comes in and um, we're doing our dance and it comes to the finale and everybody around me is singing. And I was like, well, Am I supposed to sing? They go, yeah. I go, well, what do I sing? It's just, just sing with the people around you. So I, I got a, a script because I didn't even have a script at that point and, and saw the, the lyrics. And then, you know, I'm doing the choreography. I'm do -si doing around everybody. So I'd sing Oklahoma. Wind away, Oklahoma. And whatever part was next to me while I was dozy doing around the stage. <laughs> so that's that's what I thought. And I was like, well, this is fun. We were in costume, we did a dance. I mean, that's all I knew about theater. And and the class I took uh was was cool. What we did for the class was we wrote a children's play and then a story and a play and then took it around to the grade schools. And my girl, that's where my girlfriend and I were like, okay, uh, I've always been a storyteller. I used to write long, like 200 page stories when I was really little. I like storytelling. So um, we made up this story of a little boy who um, stopped believing in fairy tales and the Wicked Witch of the West. So we brought all these different characters. The Wicked Witch of the West came in and 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 kidnapped him. And <laughs> Mother Goose was trying to get the kids to <laughs> to believe, you know. Uh, and I, what I think I remember when I was listening to it recently, I thought, oh my gosh! But the Wicked Witch came in with that that song. I forget who the artist was, but I am the God of Hellfire, and I bring you fire. <laughs> We were playing that dancing and then, then we had like little nursery tunes, <laughs> whatever. That was my theater experience was creating this show and putting it on, which was really fun. And um, I didn't, uh, and my performance was Oklahoma. <laughs> Do you still have that script Do you, uh, with you? No. Oh, I wish, because I think that would be such a great children's show or something to bring out. Oh my, well, you know, we were high school seniors writing a play for kids. I mean, I, it might have, we, we just had the, the elements, you know, you have to have a conflict and you have to have a hero and all that, or heroine. Um, it was really fun. Um, and then when I got to college, I went, uh, my my high school counselor suggested I go into the theater department. Um, I wanted to, I had read this book called Summer Hill, which was an alternative way of teaching kids. Was, but I, I worked at a, as a, a day camp counselor mm -hmm. and I was distraught that a lot of kids had no creativity. Um, I would say, let's make up a story. And they, all they could do would think of TV shows and, and tell the stories on TV shows. So I, I wanted to work on creative development in kids. And, um, my high school counselor said, well, maybe you should go into a theater department. I don't know how that happened. When I think back on it, I think where that came from I wanted to be a teacher or an oceanographer and I wasn't good at this biology. So I couldn't be an oceanographer. So uh, I went in and, and then I, my freshman year in college, I was in theater classes and I was like, yeah, 
And that's when I decided I wanted to be an actor. What did your parents do? Just like, does arts run in the family? No, well, no, no, not really. Except my dad said my grandmother, who I, whom I didn't know, uh, did, did worked with a theater group when he was a little kid. So um, maybe it does, but not, I didn't see a play. The first live show I saw was um, just before I went away to college and I saw a show at Candlelight. I saw, um, oh, My Fair Lady. Hmm. And I remember with some friends and my friends were like, you should do that role, Barbara. And I, I didn't, you know, they were like, yeah, that's like who you are. Right. So, um, yeah, I guess there was some kind of performer in me all along that I, I just didn't. So, so when I got to college and we started training, I was, I went, well, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And it didn't seem that far away from who I was to my parents, even though we didn't go to theater and we didn't, uh, I never really watched theater. We, we watched TV sometimes, but, mm -hmm. um, we would go to concerts because um, everybody in my family played, learned an instrument and music was, was something that we, we practiced a lot. But um, not theater, not dance. Yeah. Never saw a ballet till I, I was in college. It, it, I, I, I asked that just because my, my dad um, became a gym school teacher. When I, when I was a kid and then my mom was a receptionist for mobile therapies and hotels and businesses. And we, we I was funny before I even moved, I had this conversation with my parents about like, where, where did I get this? You know, where, did I, <laughs> where did the bug come from? And my dad was always telling me stories of my grandpa. And I mentioned my grandpa on the show and in your class of how he was a musician and he would play the piano and the guitar. He, and I always mentioned how he loved Christmas because he had seven boys and his boys got married and had kids. So when we were, when I was like five and six, the concerts, they weren't in the big concert halls. They were in Evanston in this house, in the living room with my grandpa and my grandma singing backup vocals, even though she can't sing, but she'll just carry <laughs> So I, and so my dad's like, that's kind of where you got it. No, and so it, 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 for me, it's like, wow, you can kind of get the bug from pretty much just anywhere, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and I think some people are naturally, uh, well, I don't know. It's just when I started doing it, I went, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where I belong. Right. Like, and my family didn't disagree at all. Really? That's great. Yeah, I and mean, they were like, oh, yeah, that's where you belong. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents were okay when you said, like, I want to study theater for my life now? Well, I was the third of five children and um, I was a girl and I always, I was pretty independent. I had pretty good grades um, and my parents, their, excuse me, their attitude was kind of like, well, we're gonna see where our children want to take themselves. You know, my oldest brother was an architect. My uh, sister, older than I, really didn't pursue any kind of career. She went to college uh, for a while, but then um, she's extremely artistic, um, like Martha Stewart. <laughs> she's like this Martha Stewart. And then uh, my younger brothers really didn't pursue careers. So I, I've always been pretty independent. I told my parents after my sophomore year in college, I was gonna move to Switzerland and study and uh, work there for a year. And they were like, okay. <laughs> and because I was always working, it was like, I paid for it myself. I paid for college myself. So it was, um, it, it, they were like, well, that's what Barbara does. <laughs> I mean, I, they didn't have a hold on me um, financially either. 
I asked that because I'm the oldest of four and I'm still technically the experiment child. So <laughs> like when I graduated high school, I said, I want to go to art school. And they're like, okay, what do you want to do with that? I'm like, I kind of want to. And at the time I said, I kind of want to be a radio host. And then after a semester, I said, I, I kind of want to be an actor. And my parents were like, okay, but how are you going to make the income? And I'm like, oh, I'll get a job. Okay. What kind of job? I'm like, I'll, I'll figure it out. And then you have like my sister and brother, for examples. My sister is a teacher and my younger, my middle brother is a, once is in school right now for business. So they kind of have, cause they know like, okay, they're going to be fine. They're going to have income. They're not going to be, you know, begging for money. Now, Matt right here, you know, let's, let's give him a couple years. Let's see what <laughs> will happen. They're supportive. They, they will yes. come to every show. They will root for me. They will support me when I say, oh, I got, I want to do this show. I want to do that show. They will support me. They get a little nervous with the income of like, you know, especially right now, but yeah, I'm still the experiment child up until this point. Yeah. I think because I was, I started working so early and I was, uh, I mean, like I had re really regular babysitting jobs and then I worked at the, uh, the YMCA and then I worked at the Dominic's and I, I was holding down three jobs sometimes, uh, you know, and working really long hours because that's when grocery stores started going 24 hours. Yeah. So I would work at night all night long at the grocery store and then get up and do day camp with the YMCA. So, oh, and then I had another, whatever. So I, I've always been very industrious that way. So I think they just thought, well, she'll figure it out. Right. And, and I do think being in the middle of three kids, mm -hmm. um, I think my brother and my sister got a lot of that more than I did. But I was always like, well, I'll figure it out. You know, like even like we were all were swimmers, but I was a state champ because I was like, well, I can do it better. I can do it better. <laughs> Whatever that was with me. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. So so the the financial thing um, and also my spirit was like, I'm going to do it on my own. That's I'll figure it out. Yeah. So, uh, and it made me shy about taking loans, mm -hmm. um, but I've always been a pretty good saver and, and, and a hard worker and lucky. <laughs> I yeah. think lucky too. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, and you know, just the, it, it's never the same in terms of being an actor. That's, you know, I last, my, my senior year in your class, I was in three shows back to back to back and was broke halfway through <laughs> And like, I never showed it in class because I was just like, I don't, because even that, we'll, we'll talk about professional survival in a little while, but that class, I was so intimidated in the best way possible by you, by everyone else. I thought, God, everyone's so talented and they have their, they have their lives together. Meanwhile, I'm going to 7-Eleven for lunch later on, you know, um, and, well, and I was, I was, oh, and I pretty close were always like, get to my parents and I, I had to stop asking for money even like the simplest of like ten dollars for gas or a haircut um it was it's it's never the same and it's never it's everything usually changes so that's why I, being the experiment child it's always so hard because like my, even halfway through like I said my parents were like are you gonna be okay you like I haven't moved down my parents' house at that time yet. And they were like, you might need to start picking up more hours and maybe start cutting on the shows. And I keep telling them like, no, this is what I want to do. I know I'm broke and I have nothing right now, but I'd rather be doing something that I love and make no money at all than making money and doing something that I don't love at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you said that I, when we were in college, uh, I worked, I, I had the student work aid or study position you know and I worked at the music library which was across the street from the theater department and on the corner there was a a restaurant bar that served free popcorn during the uh happy hour and so I'd go in and I'd get a cup of tea 
and then keep this tea bag and put ketchup and salt and pepper in the teacup with the hot water. And that would be tomato soup and we'd eat the free popcorn. And then you could always go back and get more hot water. So I would, my dessert would be my tea. I'd put the tea bag in. So I was drinking tomato soup from ketchup and hot water and salt <laughs> pepper and popcorn. And every day I, I have to leave my, you know, I have my 20 minute break at the music library and I go over to Trino's and get free popcorn and make my tomato soup, have a cup of tea and go back. <laughs> so. You know, I I also think um, it, it it hasn't always been financially easy, but I think that I also kind of thrive on that. I can I can get by. I can I can manage somehow, which is I think helped me during COVID. As much as I I really really miss being with my friends and creating with my friends and sitting in the dressing room and rehearsals that collaborative creative stuff and teaching seeing you know I had students I had a couple of students that I knew from before COVID last semester and but I had a lot of students that I've never ever met in person and um it's interesting it's just interesting but I also have this kind of thing that's inherent in me I think it's that optimist like things will get better and I can I can make do you know uh supper I wasn't hungry because I got the free popcorn I found the free popcorn <laughs> pretty much what you're saying is you just MacGyvered your own meal you know yeah <laughs> that's what I did but I'm so curious. So you you just mentioned you spent a year in Sweden. What what was oh, Switzerland? That? Switzerland, sorry. Like yeah. what made you want to do it and what was that like? Well, I tell you the truth, I had fallen in love with a guy who uh my uh first year at U of I and his last year. And then he went to medical school in Lausanne, Switzerland. And so we kind of said goodbye and then we kept writing letters and phone calls were like really weird because we didn't have the same ability to make phone calls at that time. But so there he came back and visited and, and we were both like, wow, you know, this is what are we going to do with this relationship? <laughs> so I decided to do uh, um, my junior year abroad. And again, I kind of wrote my own program. I went to my advisor in the theater department and I said, this is what I'd like to do and this is what I'm going to study and this is what I'm going to do and, and um, moved to Switzerland. I got a, I got a room in, the, um, in this cool old building. I was in the very attic of the building and I took care of two little boys um, on the fourth floor of the building and their parents owned the butcher shop on the ground floor of the building. And so I became an au pair and I uh, got, I found a school. I went to a school to learn how to speak French and I just kind of jerry-rigged <laughs> my education for a year. Um, and it was great fun. And one of the ways I learned French was that I started telling the little boys stories and I tell them stories in French so that helped me with my conversational skills in French and um yeah it was pretty cool and then funny story I, I one of my classmates at the the school the Loro Centre um her father was a diplomat and in England and thought that she had to be cultured and said she had to go to dance classes and she hated dancing. And I said, are you kidding? I love dancing. And she reached under the table and handed me a plastic bag with a pair of tap shoes in it and said, here, there are my shoes. Here is the card to go to the classes and go take the classes. So. I went, I took tap classes at this studio. And after a couple of lessons, the teacher said, you know how to tap dance? Because I had learned in shows. I never had 
formal tap dancing classes, but um, he said, you can tap dance. I would like you to join my dance company. We're going um, on tour to Athens for three months. <laughs> so I, I didn't, I learned dancing from uh, my roommate at the time. There was another American girl from California who was in the dance troupe, the Rao Long Van Jazz Ballet. And um, she would, we would do classes and warm ups every day. And I learned a, a lot of my dance, but I was kind of in the back row until it came to the tap dancing. And then I went up front and did a tap solo. We did a, a number two um, in the mood, Glenn Miller thing. And then we also did a number to the Pink Panther, the theme of the Pink Panther. And we were all in top hats and had canes. And I can twirl a baton. So I was the featured cane twirler. <laughs> so I worked for three months. So I went from working as an au pair in Switzerland to being a member of this dance company in outside Athens, Greece, in Kalamaki, then at the Neraida. And um, that, was, that was very, very cool. And then I taught myself some Greek and I, 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 I liked to... Yeah, I was very independent. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, and so did you come back to Chicago after that? Yeah. And I went back to uh, back to U of I and I graduated. Very cool. And, and that, they gave me some credits for, yeah. Yeah, you gave, okay, that's fantastic. And I also, I worked with a theater company in, in Lausanne. Um, I worked with this... Uh, French and English theater company. And we ended up doing a TV, a, a production for TV, which was really wild, but um, yeah. So I, I did a little bit of work as an actor there as well. That's great. So I, I have, I, I've heard stories and I'm just about, not about you, but just the shows you've done. And I just want, I'm just curious about them. Uh, one of them being like, you were in uh, The Detective's Wife at Writers. And that was, that's a one person show. And is it true that there, you, during the rehearsal periods and maybe even during the run that you didn't speak at all just because of the demand of the show that you would write things on like post notes and like uh, postcards to like kind of get uh, to talk? I don't remember that. I, I remember an interview that I was uh, researching that you With would- Cody? I believe so. Cody Estelle? Well, Cody was our AD, so he might remember that. I don't remember that. But it is possible. I, I've had, when I was a day camp counselor in high school, I, the beginning of every summer, I would scream until I got hoarse because we all thought it was so funny because that rasp in my voice was, was fun. Mm -hmm. So I gave myself nodes in, in high school on purpose. I had no idea what it was and I wasn't, you know, so I've always been very careful of my voice. Mm -hmm. um, and so it could have been that I was just being careful with that much speaking that I didn't want to lose my voice. Right, I don't know. I've I don't remember that, but it's, I'm sure, I, I mean, I'm sure Cody's right. I just don't remember that. Right, and then in Wicked, were you, the two, was it you and another person that have the exact same role and you guys were trading off? Is that what I heard? Well, what happened, uh, so in the Chicago company, the Shiz company of Wicked, Rondi Reed uh, was first cast and rehearsed it and went into the show. And then um, there was a point where the producers all decided they wanted to move all the Chicago people out of the show for nine months. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, upsetting to a lot of them, but they, they cast me to replace Rondi or to go in for Rondi for nine months while they were on a hiatus or something. And then Rondi, then I finished and Rondi came back into the show, but then she had done August Osage County and then it was going to Broadway. So then I went back in and then, I, so the, yes, in a way, Rondi Reed and I went 
back and forth playing the Mrs. Uh, the Madame Morribles during the Chicago run. Oh, it's so in the, in the Shiz Company. That's yeah, so I couldn't have had better company. I mean, she's amazing. So right. and she was so sweet. She had decked out her dressing room with this gorgeous. She bought this gorgeous like chaise lounge, and she was like, "Oh, Barbara, you just use it while I'm gone." <laughs> So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty terrific. And she was, and it's fun, you know, it's fun when someone, when an actor you really respect and admire and consider a friend plays a role, then you play the role. It's, it kind of ups the whole idea of collaboration um, to a, to another level that we don't always get to experience. Right. And my last little story, this is actually funny. This is how you and I met. And this was before class. I saw you uh, at Doll and Doll's House Part Two. And it was me and Connor Brown who used to host this show. And we, after the show was done, we ran into some other friends of ours. And we were like, let's go find Barbara. And so we find a security guard and, and we're like, can we get Barbara? And you came and you were hugging everyone. And I was the last in line. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, huh, she's never met me before. How is this going to go? And you and I made eye contact in the end. And there was this pause. And I just go, great job. And I gave you this hug. I'm like thinking, maybe she knows me. Maybe she likes me. I don't know. Let's go for it. Let's see what happens. But then you took us on a tour backstage and the green room. And then we all had wine after. I'm not going to lie. I was tipsy by the end of that night because I was drinking before the show because I had a project that morning <laughs> and was stressed about it the entire week. I was like, I'm drinking before I see the show. I had a couple beers and then I saw the show and then you, you gave us wine. I'm like, well, this is not going to end well for me at all. But I don't care. But that was really one of my favorite experiences was that show. And I had Yasin on the show a couple months ago and I told him the exact same thing. Um, still to this day, one of my favorite experiences um, yeah. thus far. So, Yeah, that was a gorgeous play too. And I love work. Well, Yasin and I have worked together on a couple other things and he's so fabulous. Yeah. And, um, and that script... Uh, I love that script. I love that script. So we had a great director. Robin Witt was our director on that. She did a great, great job. It was really cool. And so and I kind of want to transition to, like we talked about, this professional survival class. Um, this, and I'll just briefly explain it and tell me if I miss anything. This is a class for seniors at Columbia College Chicago uh, before they graduate. This is usually one of their last um, theater classes that they have to take. And so, and you are in charge and we, and from what my experience was, a lot of guest artists come in, we do a lot of lectures and a lot of um, not, and nice conversations about how to make it out there. And not just in the theater, you had a lot, and just in film and TV and agencies, you gave us a tax day. Like we had, we had some, <laughs> like of all the things, I'm like, oh, we're talking about taxes? <laughs> um, but it really works. So I'm just kind of curious of how did you start this class by yourself or was this already something that was happening? No, it's something I started a long time ago before you were born, probably. <laughs> um, and I started it with uh, a strong, a strong um, desire to help actors move from being students to being professionals. And uh, there are so many things about being a student actor um, that I think make it more difficult to be a professional actor or just being a student. You're often used to, you know, teacher, what day is this due and what should I do on this day and where should I go here and when should I go there? And when an actor is employed in the theater, the stage manager and the director tell them, be here at this time, be here at that time, do this, go here. So you get all that. But those shows usually only last a few months. And so what an actor does to propel their company and their business and their themselves as an artist is cannot be dependent on somebody else telling you what to do and where to go. 
And it's a constant balance between you taking care of yourself and then dropping everything to take care of this audition or go to this or, or do a show. You know, you might have a survival job and you're doing that nine to five every day and then you get cast at Steppenwolf. And where does that survival job go? You know, suddenly you have to balance that going away. And, and there are a lot of things that... Um, so I started thinking I wanted to help students start to think of themselves as, and I'm sure you remember, I say you are the CEO of your own company. And like every good CEO, you have to manage a lot of different branches of your company and you have to manage different people and different needs. Right. And But it's not, just like being an actor manager there you have to take care of things like your taxes so um there was one point where i was thinking actors need help with their finances so david turntine's i don't know how many years he's been coming as for a long time the um the like the self-taping workshop that we do that's a newer thing because uh, and this was a couple of years before pandemic, but I was realizing I was getting called to self-tape auditions for theater, for directors I knew, for a play that was going to be in town, but the director wasn't available and, they, and the agency wasn't available. So they said, just take this at home. So I had to find a, a reader and I had to set up the, the whole self-tape thing for a theater gig. And I thought, okay, we're not, this is not going to go away. We're going to be doing this a lot. So I, I uh, so the class has changed a lot over over the years. I'm just changing it <laughs> between fall semester and spring semester. But I, I I'm changing the requirements mm. um, because excellence is more important than quality is more important than quantity. Right. So, um, and because of how things work, I, 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 used, I, I used to feel that in professional survival, I wasn't really teaching actors how to act. I was treat, treating you, teaching you more how maybe a, a couple of different techniques to yeah. deal with cold readings. Um, and I am going to take a little bit more time to really help nurture and cultivate the student's ability to, to, for instance, do really good self-tapes. Yeah. And I think so much, uh, you said acting, but I also think it's like a reality check class or a <laughs> like, like for my sake, because I remember one of the first things we did was just a simple come in and have like a one-on-one -on -one talk with you, but then everyone else behind you was taking notes about how we acted and God, you made the, you, the simple coming in and saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. When you did that, the two different ways, my jaw dropped of like how much of a difference it makes. You just go, you come in, you go, hi, I'm Barbara Robinson. And then you, and then you did it again. And the contrast is so huge. And I even went up to you and I said, I'm nervous about this project because I don't want to come off as fake. I want to come off as genuine. And even I still go back to that, um, that, that project and I would still read the notes that I got till this day. Yeah, my, good. my favorite thing I ever got, one of the questions was questions were, um, where do you see this person selling? And I think I was wearing a tie that day. And someone just said, I can see Matt just selling used cars. I, for some reason, <laughs> and, I'm, and I, I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment, but I'll <gasps> take it. But yeah. That was just some one of the most random things I ever heard. I think I was growing a mustache because I was doing a play next. So I had like a time, like a really bad mustache at that time. So maybe like that was doing it for me. But I'm like, I told myself, don't be the used car salesman, be better. So it, for me, for me, for that, it was just a great reality check class. So I, I, I can't thank that class enough, you know? Oh, Thanks, man. Yeah, and we had a great class. Like, like I said, I was intimidated. We had a great group of people. Yeah. Like, I was intimidated, but I was just so inspired. Like, I had a lot of friends in my class in that class, like Ben Ortiz and, and Joe Gertz oh. and like Ariel. Yeah. Like, 
people I really, really love. And this, and I was, every time they went up and did like a monologue or a Shakespeare monologue, or you even said, do something completely out of the blue. And I would see like Joe Gertz do like a monologue from a Spider-Man movie. Uh, it was just so great to watch. I remember doing, I remember just reinciting uh, Sally Seymour and just made it a monologue on the spot. I was like, I don't know what to do. Oh, this, this might be funny. I went to one person. I said, is this funny? You think this is going to work? And they were like, I don't know. Let's give it a try. So <laughs> it, it, it was a reality check. And it was just a great experiment class just to try new things and think this may work and I can keep it in my back pocket in case like I, yeah. I ever have to use it again. So my, I, those are my memories of that class. I know you've done that this class for so long and you might not remember a lot of it, but it was a great class for my sake. So I'm just. Oh, thanks. No. I, and that's, I, that's one thing that I'm going to trying to cultivate the ensemble via zoom. It is more challenging because I think people do need to not be in a group zoom situation right. as often. Um, so, uh, that and that I don't know if you remember, but I talked a lot and we did exercises to nurture the ensemble of our classroom. Right. Um, but uh, that I think is the the hardest thing for me the, the missing that feeling of creating um, in tandem or even back and forth with a lot of other artists which is what you get in, in performing live theater. Right. And we usually have a party at the end. And for us, we had a Christmas. And like, it was, it was a final. It was pretty much like, what are you going to do? Like take away from this class? Or what are you going to do forward? And I said, and I remember we had on one-on-one before that day. And I didn't, I forgot what I said, and, but I knew it wasn't going to work. And I think you told me it wasn't going to work. Or, uh, nothing, it, it was nothing in C. I think I didn't spend enough time thinking about it. Um, and it, I'm going to be really honest. It didn't hit me until the day of the class where I was like, God, what do I want to do with this? And I, I remember it was Taylor Griffith. I, I don't know if she listens to this podcast. If she is like that, she's getting a shout out, but she said like, she wanted to do something with education. And she was about maybe five people before me. And once she said that, I'm like, well, that's what I want to do. And I'm, and I remember quickly on my laptop trying to find things <laughs> work and then just, and went for it. And God, if it wasn't for this pandemic, I would have been um, teaching shows at a day camp for kids as sports, as sports camp, we we're going to do drama, but for some, but now I teach pre-K and I'm using everything that I use for like a Columbia standpoint. And I bring it there. I make my kids walk in the room like we do yeah. in the foundations class. They're, yes. they're so confused. I'm like, why are we walking? I said, just, just go with it. And I'm playing like real Colombian music. I'm playing like French music, not wheels <laughs> on the bus, not like, hey, diddle, diddle, cat and fiddle, like real music, real music, like more adult music for them. And I'm telling them on the count of three, you're going to walk like you're in mud or on the count of three, you're going to walk like you have a, you smell something good. And they think it's the funniest thing in the world. I don't think they know what it is yet, but they like doing it. So that's what I took away from your class was like, okay, th- there are given circumstances that I'm taking that Barbara or the other students or artists, I should say, in that class that are, that are giving to me. And I should take that and I should use that uh, somewhere else. So I, again, this is more than just an acting class. This is a reality check in a uh, class. So, yeah. Thank you, Matt. Thank yeah. you. So we have time, and we're going to play a game called Time for Two. Best game in the world. There is no right. There is no wrong. It's two minutes on the clock, and it's just a series of random icebreaker questions. Are you ready? Okay. You're, you're going to be great. Do you ask the questions, or do I? I do. Don't worry. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Three, two, one, Go. Would you rather live in a roller coaster park or a zoo? Zoo. What part of the human face is your favorite? The eyes. Uh, describe your life using one word. Fun. In one word, 2020 was? 
a roller coaster. <laughs> uh, the best part of waking up is? Uh, washing my face. There you go. Do you think a hot dog is a sandwich? Yeah. Uh, favorite fairy tale? Oh, the the sister, the seven swans, or the sister knits. I don't know what the name is. Okay. Uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader? I might have more skills. Smarter is a... I, I, I don't know. Wisdom is not something that goes on the scales. Right. Okay. Uh, what, <laughs> would you, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Oh, a cartwheel. <laughs> uh, are you afraid of Virginia Wolf? Not at all. Uh, did you suck your thumb as a child? Uh, yeah, yeah, forever till I was like twelve years old. Uh, do you want to slap it out of my face? Did you wash your? Do you wash your hands after going to the bathroom every time? Every time. Every time. Uh, earth, wind, or fire? Fire. Favorite kind of soup? Uh, oh. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I, I'll just say sausage soup. Nice. But I, I make a, ve a vegan sausage soup, if you can imagine it. <laughs> Last one. Are you a listener or a talker? Oh. I probably, I want to say listener. My friends would all say talker. <laughs> And that's how we play. <laughs> it's that easy. It's so it's so fun, you know. Oh yeah, that's great. That's great. I have a whole list of icebreaker questions that I've been using in my Zoom uh, classes because it's one way to go around and everybody add add something. Right. And I think it's I think it's good to give everybody a voice in every Zoom class. And I can't say how do you feel today, so. I have a lot of those kind of questions. That's and it's, it's interesting because it makes people kind of either come in or go away, but it, it um, encourages that kind of movement, that back and forth movement. That right. Well, before we go, my last question to you, Barbara, is um, are your parents proud of you? In their way, yes. I would agree. <laughs> Barbara, I can't thank you enough for, you know, not just today and how much fun this was, but like I said, for the year now of knowing you, of the lessons that you have gave. Uh, oh, man. So, thank I, you. so thank you. I, this was thank so Thank you so much. You be well and take care. And I'm so, so, I, I feel funny sometimes using the word proud because it makes it sound a little patriarchal or like I'm a, but I am so happy to see you doing what you're doing. It, it fills me with um, a lot of really good feelings because I think what you're doing is great. And I've always, I, I enjoyed having you in class and watching you discover things and seeing you do this podcast is, is rewarding to me as a teacher. Wasn't that lovely, Griffin? That that was lovely. It's I I actually like have not seen or heard Barbara speak since like I graduated. So it was nice to hear her talk again. I could have talked with her all day if you let me. Oh yeah. Yeah. She she's amazing. So folks, and especially younger people who are maybe at Columbia, we cannot recommend her class enough. If you want to learn about the business in general take her class, learn from her. She's one of the best. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're still at Columbia, like fi find any and all excuse to get Barbara Robertson as your teacher. Yeah. She's, she's great. So Griffin, uh, Valentine's day, love is in the air. Oh any God, not this, it, not this again. No, no, I just want to know what, uh, what have you been working on for your job? Oh, um, well, I, damn it. I, I hope we wouldn't have to talk about this. Yeah. I'm, I am now, oh man. I, I am now the official uh, Hershey's Kisses rapper of uh, Are Your Parents Proud of You? Wait, what? Are you, are you like, like the, is like your body the rapper? 
No, I'm the one doing the rapping. Jeez, why'd you have to make it weirder than it well, already I, is? For some reason, I thought of like that Jason Alexander Super Bowl commercial with his face being like the sweater. Did you see that? Yes, I did see that. I, I thought, thought your face was like the rapper for the Hershey Kisses. Uh, no, that that was not the case. Um, but you've just gone and made it weirder than it already is. Who's our guest? Who's our guest next week, Matt? Oh my gosh, we have an exciting guest actress, Amanda Flayive. Nice. Yeah, uh, company member for William Street Rep. Uh, one of the instructors at Sage Studio. Um, you're going to love her. And to give you a hint, I said to her during our, our interview that if the movie Big was going to have a female reboot, she should be the new Tom Hanks. Uh, I've never seen Big, so I, I, I haven't. I've never seen Big. Folks, if, if you're mad like me right now, Email us at parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, send all your emails to parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com and yell at me about how I need to see the movie big. Don't you have Disney Plus? Uh, yeah, is it on there? Yes. All right, well, I'll have to watch it. All right, report back to me next week, okay? Yeah, and wait, and, and don't we have socials to plug, Matt? Well, we do have some socials to plug. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Parents Proud Podcast. Support the show. Comment on it. Every podcast platform, share this show with your friends, your family. Uh, like we said, we're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on YouTube. We're on Red Circle. We're on everywhere. So please. I don't even know what a couple of those are. <laughs> well, you should uh, research it as you're watching Big, my friend. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. And for that, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Love the one you're with. I'm Matthew Schufreiter. He's Griffin McCurgle. We'll we see. We're not lovers. We're not. We're just really, really good friends. Yeah, sure. Good night, everyone. Good night.